Welcome to the World of Wisdom podcast. Uh, today, I get to speak with, well, Leif, I don't know exactly how to how to frame it. You're going to get to do it yourself. But welcome to the podcast, Leif Edvinsson. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm, um, we've had a couple of short conversations, and I'm really intrigued by a number of things. So I have some notes, um, but but we'll see where we where we go. I'll I'll start us off as I always do uh, with my guests, which is, who are you, Leif Edvinsson? It's a tough question, <clears throat> and you can ask my voicemail and see what it is in in it. Um, I'm still searching for the answer for that. I learned the question many years ago, and um, I'm trying to uh, give um, an image during this podcast on aspects, and then you can put together the, the collage in French of the various pieces to see if it's a, a full picture or not. All right. That sounds good. But when when I look up your uh, Wikipedia page, then then you are uh, slapped with this uh, label of uh, the guy who has been investigating uh, intellectual uh, capital uh, deeply. That... I am still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> what what is it to you, and why is it so interesting? It's a kind of uh, hidden aspect in the financial community. Um, they're using this old Italian bookkeeping to measure the coins and the bookkeeping items, accounting items. And, and that is actually distorting the whole world economics because we don't see uh, the value and the cost, for example, of regenerative incentives or sustainability dimensions or uh, the value of a startup or the value of schooling, or the value of a hospital. The value of a hospital from an accounting viewpoint is the bricks and mortar. Isn't that a paradox? Yeah. Yeah, there's none none of the care and none of the actual activities that go into the, or like how how efficient they are, goes into the balance sheet. And now we see even more interesting aspects of the value of a soccer player. Mm. Uh, which ha- has risen to a very very high level. <laughs> but are there are there areas where we do account for the soft stuff in a good way? Emerging, I would say, uh, the most interesting uh, or pioneering countries is probably Germany from a syst- systems viewpoint and Japan from a kind of intelligence viewpoint. And they are looking into it. So in, in Japan, they are looking at uh, Society 5.0 now uh, to see what could be the navigational dimension to get there with our c- citizens. Mm. And uh, in U.S., they are still very much in uh, staying in the old accounting system, even if the uh, the rules has changed during the last decades to include more and more of intangibles. But then when you are um, starting to map aspects that you haven't finished in, in the logic, then you are distorting also the, the value creation. Uh, for example, if you see, uh, look at the value of a startup, it, it is to 99% debt, not assets. Mm. Uh, and, how are you going to treat the debt? And if you escalate that to society level, uh, where's the value of uh, Iceland? Is it on top of the island or under the island or around the island? Mm. Uh, and then you, you start to realize that the value is probably not where you measure. So the distortion is actually how, how do we get out of the metrics trap? Mm. And the meaning of intellectual capital is derived insights of head value. Derived insights of head value. And that is a very interesting distinction. So the intelligence is actually how you derive the insights. And then you are 
Um, the second one part of it is how you think. So where did you learn to think? <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's, that's a worse. That's a worse question than the one I ask. With uh, who are you actually? Uh, <laughs> where did you learn to think? And then, but it's really interesting because one of the things that come up for me when you say where did you learn to think is is this idea. Um, there is this guy called, I think, Zach Stein, who talks about simulated thinking, that a lot of the thinking that we are doing is not necessarily sort of actual thinking. It's more pattern repetition. Yeah. Like it's things yeah. that we keep doing because we've been programmed in such a way. Does that relate? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I learned to think in Berkeley, um, California. Um, I'm educated in Lund, Sweden. Um where I was going to university, and then I got a scholarship later on to go to any place in U.S. And I selected Berkeley because of the uh, climate, uh, both the, the physical climate and the mental climate. And uh, as you know, they have been very successful in uh, raising up Nobel Prize laureates with Lawrence Lab and places like that. So I was very happy to get in there and uh, learn to think. And one of the key phrases I learned there, try to turn it upside down and search for new perspectives. Mm. Mm. And that has been a kind of good sentence for my navigation. And that's where I also started to develop uh, the navigational system. Say something more about that. Navigation is... uh, coming from the story of the uh, trap that the British Navy was um, experiencing when they went into the um, sea and tried to get back to uh, another place, they were really lost. Uh, And the key learning in that is the tide. And the tide is extremely interesting. So when you... um, See it from a larger viewpoint. Where you are right now is not where you're going to be in a few seconds. Mm. So you are, the world is moving. Mm. But um, about 500 years ago, they were developing the metric system in uh, both accounting as well as in uh, navigation in Italy. And they were looking for the firmamente, mm. the firm place. And that that was later on the the firm, the theory of the firm. And uh, I was, uh, with the background from Berkeley, I was looking for the unfirm, Mm -hmm. the dynamics of the firm. And that is extremely interesting. And do you happen to know the speed of the uh, rotation of the Earth? Uh, I have... Like 100,000 kilometers per something? I have no idea. I, I, right. That's what I had and still head. you are living in it. Right. <laughs> 1,600 kilometers per hour, roughly. So we are at our places due to the gravitation. And the same goes for institutions. And, and this is what we see in the world economics today. The gravitation is keeping um, universities, hospitals, um, military systems down to the ground instead of seeing the new opportunities. A few lights are coming up during the uh, Nobel Prize week in in Stockholm where they are (coughs) exploring and discussing and sharing knowledge about uh, new findings which is extremely um, stimulating to see that uh, you are sitting on Iceland now, I'm sitting in Mm. Stockholm. We could be teleporting ourselves to a nice place called uh, Canary Islands or something like that and meet there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Canary Island was actually the first test place for teleporting between Grand Canaria and Tenerife. Did they succeed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he got the Nobel Prize for it. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's um, but I'm, I'm, I want to go back to what you said with the gravitation, um, and and that's keeping our systems to the ground, yeah. Um, and also just weave it with what you meant with the dynamics of of these systems. Like what what have you found out in your in your uh, deep dive so far uh, regarding those dynamics and regarding that gravitation? What seems to be what seems to be driving it, or what seems to be the the What's the essence of it? Well, um, there are several inroads to this uh, deep question. One is that um, there was a, a very famous research going on at MIT in the U.S. on the aspects of the dynamics, <clears throat> the dynamics of um, the firm dynamics of the uh, world as well. And um, his name was Jay Forrester, and he developed uh, a whole system for. He was working at digital equipment as well as MIT, and this describes the world in terms of life cycles. Mm. But that is still two dimensional. Uh, you see a life cycle where you start and you go up and you reach the peak, and then you go down. And he described how that was going on for countries like uh, uh, France and, and UK, as well as India and other parts of the world. Uh, and it's it applied it on the car industry, how the car industry has been moving along those life cycle curves around the world. And now it's picking up in uh, Asia very much, as soon it will probably pick up even more in South America. The other dimension is um, why do you have it only two-dimensional? And uh, as we started to talk about navigation, uh, the the way out of the navigational dilemma for the British Navy was an invention that was um, supplied by a watchmaker in the UK. And he discovered the way to, to measure this and it was called the longitude. So you have the altitude, uh, the latitude, and the longitude. And the longitude is more or less the third dimension, without which you cannot navigate anything. So it's it's a key dimension for space navigation. Otherwise, they were would be lost. They would not reach Mars, etc. Mm. And the longitude is, is a relative. Uh, measure like uh, surfing on a wave and and this is what we need for the future for the regenerative society or whatever we need mm-hmm. and this longitude is for most people too abstract they they can't grasp it um, but if if you think about sailing it's contra intuitive when you are changing the course on the water. You want to go straight forward, but then the wind is changing and you have to tackle and you have to crisscross uh, over the water to get to the point. And that is due to the longitude and the longitude is due to the rotation of the earth. So consequently, we are living in a dynamic world, but we try, try to freeze it because it's easier to grasp when it's frozen, but it, it's also dead. Hmm. Is this, this sounds like it would um, relate to some of the work of Nora Bateson, like with her warm data. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh yeah, I, I am. I met her as well. Um, yeah. She is um, a bright thinker and uh, her father was even more bright. Um, and this is a beautiful question because what could be the difference between the, the thinking of a man and a, a female? There is another uh, opportunity for you to um, interview um, a researcher from Sweden. He is a neuroscientist in Linköping. Mm. And uh, he wrote a book called She, He, and the brain. Unfortunately, it's not translated into English. 
yet. Uh, and it started with that he got two daughters. And as a uh, male scientist, he wanted to understand his daughters, but he couldn't. So he wondered, <laughs> is there something wrong? <laughs> yeah. so he, I can it, relate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he started to, to use all the electronics he had at the University of Linköping, which is full of uh, image um, IT systems that they developed initially together with Saab data. So he brain scanned the brain of a male and a female. And he saw a difference, a very big difference. And the difference is actually that the main pattern is that the flow in a male brain is very straightforward. It goes up and down, up and down. But a female brain goes the other way. It goes 90 degrees crisscrossing. And that's why it's so fruitful to have combined teams, but also conflict full of conflicts with female kids. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) <laughs> we had that discussion this morning and I was trying to get the kids out to, and they wanted to go um, play in the snow that's here now. Uh, yeah, 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 sometimes. Um, but returning to the altitude and the latitude and the longitude. Um, so, so, so if I'm understanding you, if I'm hearing you right, then there is, we want to navigate um, or, or move between places as if they were static, as if we were dealing yep. with a static reality. Yep. And then what we are missing then is that there is a rotational force. So there, there would be wind or, or waves or, or things like dynamic forces that are influencing our navigation. Um, Very good. Or, Very good. So what does, or, or yeah, what does that have to do then with where we started with regards to the intellectual capital? Like what, why, what's the, what's the link here between that and, and the accounting stuff? Well, um, derived insights of a head value yep. is actually where you want to be tomorrow to, to get a kind of a life, quality of life or sustained life. And that is not achieved by straightforward approaches and even shortcuts where you have uh, some uh, pesticides, etc., which is actually ruining the, the system. So therefore, uh, it is extremely important to understand that we are moving and we have to ride the wave to the future. And that cannot be done with something that is looking backwards. You know, we are still using uh, the mental phrase react, which is going backwards. It should be, we're talking about uh, feedback instead of feed forward. Mm. And feed forward is much more of intellectual capital and nutrition for uh, your future as well as my future and your kids' future. And the image for it would also be uh, seen if you take a tree. And which is most important, the fruit or the roots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very simple. Yeah. Uh, the roots are extremely important. Uh, and now we know uh, that the roots are speaking to each other mm. through the network they have, which is called Micelle. And in that micelle, you have the, the flow of signals. And actually, it might be the same kind of uh, communication systems as teleporting. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Because, I mean, that's, that's something that I've been, an image that I've been playing with a lot has been uh, that of composting. Yes. That, that we are, uh, I mean, a lot of people are, are, you know, you take your compost and you hide it in the back of the, of the garden and then yep. you um, don't want to look at it. And then I spoke to a friend of mine who's been very much, she's been digging deep into, into different ways of collective presencing and, and, and collective intelligence and so forth. And she says, she's a gardener and she was 
inferring that uh, the, the way to garden in a good way is to create good compost. That is the key yep. activity of gardening. Um, and then she is not a gardener, she is a cultivator. Ah. You see the difference? Right. And this is the same with uh, intellectual capital. Intellectual capital is cultivation of your um, future, not the past. Because that is archaeology. And that's why we have to change um, both the metrics so we see the the future, which is most in most cases unseen. Yeah. Um, only eight percent of universe is visible. Um, so we are living to ninety two percent in darkness. And do, do you mean that <laughs> yes. as a result of right now? Yeah, <laughs> is that? <laughs> is it darkness as in darkness and light or, or darkness is it eight percent visible as in terms of uh future versus past or or like are you where are we temporally then? Uh, regarding uh, knowledge the knowing the, the ah. exploration um if you take teleporting it, it's um it sounds very very abstract and, and not possible but with modern instruments you can actually start to teleport and uh, that's my career goal to become an avatar to be de- teleported to nice places <laughs> yeah, that's good but um, um it's interesting because what you said about the cultivator that sparked yeah. something in me i mean it's because it's a little bit it has something to do with um like um, basically ego structure, I think that's the best word that I have for it. But because I mean, if you're a gardener, yeah. and and you are, uh, people are walking by on the street and they are looking at your beautiful garden and they're saying, "Wow, those are wonderful roses," and and <gasps> oh, this is so beautiful and so forth. But if you're a if you're a cultivator, you know, people might walk by on the street and say, "Like, what are you doing? Why are all these weeds here?" You know, and, and they might be rebalancing the soil and like. Why is the compost so big and, and, and sort of not in the back of the house, not hidden away, but it's like front and center of the stuff. So, I mean, we just take it as a metaphor. There is a little bit of a shift required to what looks nice now and to starting to desire to cultivate or, or to, to work, to make conditions happen so that other people can yield. Like You're absolutely things. right. Uh, and this is a very interesting thread for your further exploration as well. In the old society, in the old farming society, it was quite common that you had a, a, such a trash pile mm. at the entrance to the farm. And the size of trash you had there, or shit, was actually a symbol of wealth for the future of that farm. When, when did it change? Or like... I think it changed probably sometime after um, the First World War, when they were going to be much more mechanized and uh, having tractors, etc. But otherwise, it was the regenerative form, actually, that you had this cycle coming and going, and the more you had of this cultivation stuff, you could uh, spark more harvest for the next season. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so that should have gone into the balance sheet then, if we talk about accounting, right? Yeah, and that's why we had the phrase, at least in Sweden, that uh, uh, the size of the shit pile was an early sign of the wealth of the farm. Right. <laughs> Today it's probably the, some other signs, <laughs> right? And I just want to spell out some of the things that I'm starting to see because if we talk about the, but I, I want to come back to the whole intellectual capital thing because yes. it's, it Welcome. becomes. Um, I mean, I have this financial advisor that that I've worked with for forever and and he's he's this sort of very conservative person he makes you know no no speculation he wants to make investments when we 
when we talk about stocks and so forth. So, um, and, and in that term, so a lot of the stuff that we've looked at and invested in has been like, you know, forestry companies or like where you have tangible assets that you can sort of bank on. You see from the assets, from the balance sheet, what, um, what could come later or like, what are the, you, you can, you can kind of calculate the hidden values that are unrealized or unrealized values rather. Yeah. Um, and what I'm hearing you speak to is that your work has been around finding ways of, well, maybe quantifying, but, but I don't know, but, but at least uh, starting to look at unrealized intangibles um, and quantify them in some way and, and do the metrics. Yes. And, could you could you say something more about that? And and I also wanted to bring in that I'm walking around with this tension around metrics that that when we measure things unskillfully, and and I think unskillfully is the main. I don't. I'm not against measuring things, but but the way we do it now, we uh, confuse people and and we don't do the activities that are the most value adding because we inherently sort of put ourselves too short, like in too short of a time frame, like big budgeting or whatever it might be. Um, so I wanted to like, just weave that in, but, but what about the, the metrics of like, how do, how do we measure intangible stuff today and how should we measure them? Well, it, it's, uh, quite easy, but it's just shifting the focus. Um, uh, and the focus should be, uh, on the, um, evolving or losing, uh, dimensions, the dynamics. Um, and therefore if you spell measure in a little um, fascinating way, you put a hyphen after M-E before mm-hmm. the first A. Then it becomes me assure. And that is actually to get you the uh, trust that you are navigating in the right direction. However, the, the profession uh, of accounting has distorted uh, that to become actually a profession of metrics of uh, big precision of what you have already passed by, but not what's ahead of you. So therefore, uh, the intellectual capital emerged in Scandia as a way of navigating the company, Scandia, forward into the future, which was, of course, as we said earlier, not visible. We, don't, we didn't know where, how it could evolve. And uh, then we found a way to navigate our own firm. And then we got an invitation from all over the world that could we apply that? Could we test it? Could we do something together? And it became a very successful uh, way of navigating the value creation of the firm. The German phrase for it is Wissenskapital knowledge capital, and um, that is uh, also pretty good. And capital is, as you understand, and the head value. So it's actually uh, slightly distorted by the financial community of saying it's the same as financial capital, that you have human capital, you have financial capital, you have uh, relational capital, you have uh, citizen capital and social capital, etc., Mm-hmm. So it's only head value, major value, um, that has to be uh, cultivated. And as Jump. the world, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm hearing you use capital almost like potential. No? <laughs> um, perhaps. I don't know. I have to think about that. It, it's a good question. Um and what I was going to say is related to your questions. You, we were probably thinking in the same way that the, the value could actually be like the sailing, that you miss the course. The tide is capturing you. Mm. And then you miss navigate. Yeah. And that is increasing over time because of the tide. And that's what we see with the frozen organizations and the old cities, as mm. well as uh, some other dimensions of our, our society. So therefore, we have to be on our toes to be able to navigate in this world dynamics, as Jay Forrester called it. Mm. And the world but, dynamics as mm. systems metrics mm-hmm. w- was uh, 
developed by him in the 80s in MIT. And that was then um, picked up. Uh, we did it uh, together uh, and applied in Germany with the, the whole system of uh, business capital. And it was used by the bank and the Ministry of Industry in uh, Germany um, under the umbrella of business capital. Uh, and it's extremely interesting when you start to realize that it's the, the vector, the, the potential, as you say, that is the key. And it's very much, much systems dynamics in it, in your question. Yeah. And, and what are the components of wor the world dynamics? Measurement or Basically, it's, it's a similar ones as in, in intellectual capital. But he, he was probably more interested in the um, software development for it than the taxonomy for it. And um, I, as partially practitioner, I was lo also looking for the taxonomy. That's why I developed this taxonomy of human capital uh, and structural capital initially. And that came from that uh, when people go home, um, then what is left in the enterprise? Yeah. And when people um, returning the next morning, what is left then and what could be cultivated? And that is basically uh, organizational capital and relational capital. And the software sector in the um, beginning of this century, they had missed that. So they were extremely highly valued for the human capital, but not for the structural capital, which was more or less missing. Now we know that the, the, it's a, a lot of components, especially in the structural capital, these dimensions that are there when you go home. Uh, and it could be intellectual properties, it could be drawing rights, it could be um, various types of, of software systems, brand. And um, to some extent, it's the same with um, soccer players, which we started to talk about. Mm -hmm. The value of a soccer player might be eroding very quickly. So how do you make it sustainable? Have I confused you? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> I, I didn't get the then soccer I'm player. Happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, I was. I what did to you learn to think? It's the same question. It's the same question still. <laughs> it's still going on. I didn't. Uh, uh, but it's it's what I'm what I'm really curious about. What what caught me uh, and which kind of took me off. Speaking of navigation uh, into something else, but hopefully it's it's generative. It's this. What you were saying about the me ashore, like the yes, the the difference of a system that uses measurement as to sort of shore up something to to make sure that we have certain specific things under control right now with great precision versus um, a system that is trying to figure out roughly what we have so that we know from where we can move forward, like to to take the next steps so or like the the. That was yes. That was one curiosity that popped up, and I don't have a question. I'm going to, I'm going to keep talking. Well, I, I can fill in there. <laughs> yeah, go because you said earlier you were curious about the entrepreneurship, right? And the entrepreneurship is French, and it means entreprendre. You you take the space in between, prendre, and entre in between. So if you have, for example, those three or four major components of intellectual capital, human capital, relational capital, organizational capital, and various types of structural capital, how can you combine them? How can you cultivate that space in between inside the firm as well as outside the firm in a society? And that is entrepreneurship. Mm. Mm. Right. And so that was implicitly a question from you. <laughs> yeah, that was implicitly a question for me. And and because the second thing that I 
that you spoke to was this the, the sort of the misnavigation, like the the missing the mark. Yeah. And what what I what came up as a thought was this definition of sin, you know, that we have in the in in, in the Christian world as missing the mark as well. Yep. And I'm I'm curious about because there's another way of looking at missing the mark, as in like you're hitting something else or you're on the path to something else. And so if you this is the sort of the spiritual stuff, like the when when yes. you are uh, able to let go and and surrender and be fine with whatever kind of happened from the stuff you did stuff because you thought something was going to happen and then something else happened and if you can be with that and and take care of that that could then that just puts you on a different vector or like on a different tangent or or like on on a different uh, line towards different potential a different so, longitude longitude thank you um and that is why we start to see a growing interest for what is also referred to as spiritual capital with Donald Sohar and other uh, scientists. Right. Um, which is a, a kind of extension of the quantum uh, physics. Huh. Spiritual capital. It, it's... Um, and it comes very close to the Nobel Prize of this year with the um, teleporting dimensions, yeah. where you have particles communicating across distances we don't see. And it's just happening. It's replicated somewhere else. And this is what also um, the uh, Nikolaus Tesla was um, starting to test out more than... 120 years ago, when he was discovering those waves that later on was leading to the mobile telecommunication. But the question that sits in me is like, why is it important to measure? (laughs) Because you said trust before. And then, um, um, like, what's the, yeah. Yeah. Why why spend all this time in measuring the stuff that already works? Like, no, it doesn't work. No, right. <laughs> That's a, not in the current system, but I'm, I'm saying like it's there, and these are phenomenon that works. Like in in when when you like, the people that don't measure the stuff, a lot of them, not all of them, but some of them are are getting it. Like it's it's working in some domains without measurement. No, no, okay. Uh, and that is due to this uh, rotation to some extent because the world is moving. If you jump on a plane from Reykjavik to Oslo or some other place, uh, you have to know uh, the uh, off-drift, so to say, because of the tide of the rotation of the Earth. Otherwise, you will miss the target. Mm. And that... Could to some extent be uh, related to the distance. The longer the distance, the, the, of course, the more complicated or the more off drift you have if you have a, trying to do it as a straight line. Mm-hmm. The other dimension of it is that um, that is also from metrics viewpoint called opportunity cost. And the opportunity cost is uh, the difference between where you want to go and where you are ending up. And if you do that forward, uh, it becomes potential. If you do it backwards, it becomes debt or liability. And And who is going to pay for the debt and the liability? Probably you could simplify and say it's going to be paid by the next generation. So I don't care. Then you're back to this regenerative dimension of society as well. So, so much is actually in this um, opportunity cost handling. Mm. But I'm not sure I agree with what I'm going to say, but, but I, I, <laughs> I'm still going to say it. Let's see. Because there's something around if we uh, sort of if we fully accepted that uh, the journey is the goal anyways, like 
if we if we just took sort of the process and put it front and center and and it's the process of uh, making our way forward uh, together that's kind of the and so then if we uh, you know we we put up a, an intention and then we move towards that target and then we take a look at it and we're like oh you know is that the best intention that we can that we can move towards still and then you 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 shift so like if we didn't have to go any particular place like that's kind of the yeah i don't agree with myself but it doesn't matter like because the question is like why do we need to go a particular place why is it important to end up in in Reykjavik what what like it, you know like with the west indies for instance like with columbus and he went you know he had this idea and he showed up and he's like yeah okay so we're going to call this the indian you know this is india um and and it wasn't because he didn't know about a specific landmass that was that was uh, there but but that turned out all right it, like that's what i'm getting at like the, <laughs> the, yes and but, this is the yeah. question that the nobel prize laureate svante pebo was um asking as well um we as human beings with the um our way of thinking we, we are prepared to go to iceland and we are preparing going to wineland or what it could be now us and uh, that was not the case of Neanderthal uh, people. They were staying, and they didn't have that um, gene, perhaps, in discovery dimensions. Mm-hmm. So he, that is what he has found out, that that makes us different from the, the Neanderthal people, that we want to know um, What's uh, in uh, what's in it for us in the future? I call it the look around the corner. Mm-hmm. So I think you have that kind of curiosity as well. Um, you want to look around the corner. You want to interview people, make podcasts, and to find out what is it in, in there that I don't know, uh, and I don't know that I don't know. And that is the big, big opportunity space of tomorrow. And that's why some people claim that the number with the biggest potential is the zero. That's interesting, though. Yeah, that that we are, uh, that that is a distinct difference between the human species and, and, or at least the, the last iteration of it. And, Almost, almost all other species. Yes, and we have a capability to put words and numbers to it as well. Yeah, yeah. And you know, but, the metrics is just the symbols for something. Yeah, it's like a language. Right, but and and that's I think that's my point. Like that's because we get so. Uh, language becomes so literal to many of us that I had I have a friend who was he used to be in in the corporate setting and now he's kind of ejected himself and, and he's rebuilding his community from since five generations or something it's like really working with the ground and doing some bioregional regeneration and he says when I was in my suit my uh, mission was make number go up. Mm. And and I thought that was interesting because on one end you say then, I mean, one way of saying it, then it's really important which numbers we are taking a look at and how those numbers uh, appear, like how we make them appear, how we create them, the numbers. Um, and, and on another end, that's that, that's kind of the divide that I'm trying to say is that on another end you could say, okay, there are no numbers. You're going to have to figure it out for yourself based on chemistry, you know, like feelings and stuff like that. Does it feel good mm. to go here? Like... To, to practice your discernment, uh, not based on numbers, but like just pure responsibility, like feeling if it feels good or not. And, but and so how the, do you know that it is a feeling? Well, I guess you could. For, for, to answer that question, you need numbers. <laughs> Shit. I thought I had... That, that, that's marketing. why you need a, a kind of <laughs> language for it (laughs) right right you can have poetry as well 
We, uh, that's why, um, among others, um, uh, Middle East and Saudi Arabia, as well as uh, Asia, is very, very close with their spiritual capital dimensions to intellectual capital. Because they, they see that kind of uh, um, soil for the tree to grow. Mm-hmm. That you, you need a special soil. And, and we t- talked about that a few minutes ago, that you need ha- to have the tree in a certain ground, and then it will grow. And if you cultivate that, you get the growth of the tree. But modern uh, agriculture, as well as industrial agriculture, is trying to speed up that process. Yeah. And that might be detrimental because they don't see the opportunity cost. And the opportunity cost might be turning up in a time frame of uh, 50 years. But most of the accounting system is based on uh, maximum 12 months or even shorter. Right. So that's why the, the metrics system is critical uh, as a taxonomy yeah. for the intangibles. And so when, when you've been doing this work, like how, how, far, how far into the future is the, the right amount of future? Or like... How do you account for the the long-term stuff, the infinite stuff almost? As you just referred to it, it's the opportunity cost and the the futurizing dimension. That's why I started um, Scandia Future Center as a laboratory for this journey. And it turned out to be um, quite successful. So now there are, among others, 50 such... um, laboratories in uh, Japan only and there are uh, in most countries there is a number of them and in Denmark where you might have seen the blocks hub mm-hmm. is a big um, interesting setup next to the National Museum it is uh, started off as, as future center for the Ministry of uh, Labor and Ministry of Industry in Denmark and then it became uh, Future Center of Denmark, and then it became uh, um, the Danish Design Center at Blocks. So it, your question triggers me at least to see that you, you need to have a laboratory to experiment with what you don't know that you don't know. And that is a cultivation in itself. That's where the uh, discovery of graphene emerged. You know what graphene is? Mm-hmm. This yeah. new, uh, super tape dimension. Yeah. And it emerged. Molecules. Yeah. yeah. And it emerged as a happy hour activity in the laboratory when they were playing on a Friday afternoon or whenever it could have been. Um, so the cultivation and joy in a laboratory is also important. And the most traditional metrics is killing that. So that's why we developed Future Center and we we learned that a key ingredient for having the courage to go into what you don't know that you don't know is smell. And you said feelings earlier. It's basically the same. Um, so how does the future smell? Like oranges. <laughs> At least. <it's> <laughs> <laughs> Ask your kids. Yeah. yeah. Why is that an important question? Is it? Uh, it's an important question because it gives you trust to move. Uh, uh, it's an animal instinct, and it's also a surgical instinct. How does it smell when you open the body of a, a person? Um, and as we are uh, full of <laughs> different ingredients, it could smell well and it could smell bad. Uh, and depending on that, you make your diagnosis of how to move. Mm. And that is... Um, 
a very critical navigation instrument. And when you develop new cars in, in Germany, you have um, robots to smell the harmony of the new car. Isn't that interesting? And uh, uh, the French pharmaceutical, sorry, uh, the perfume industry in France, they were on this track many decades ago. So they developed laboratories in, in Provence mm. to work on, on the um, productive smell of uh, females. Uh, and it might be that they have missed the point that it's actually the other way around, that it is uh, females are smelling for the male. <laughs> and that is the way it starts. But it's distorted by good French perfume. Mm. Mm. But because all of this takes me back to the same. Yeah, I think it, it does. Because I, I have like, I have this phrase in my head that there are certain things. Because, you know, with, with blockchain and like with all of these technologies where we can invent coins and my, mint coins and mine coins based on different behaviors. Um, there's still this component of, so you could, you know, every time somebody says thank you, you could, you could get rewarded for it. But there is this pull or, or this leaning towards um, gaming the system that I'm, it kind of comes back to, uh, well, not exactly, but it, it does, it's like, are we counting things so that we can know better how we should move forward or are we counting things to be rewarded? And, and because it feels like a lot of the metrics that we interact with are because we want to be rewarded now for something that we did rather than something that we're going, you know, it's, it's like the, the conventional way of looking at a bank, bank account is not how much can I spend, it's how much do I have? Like there's something around, so, so with the particular sort of psychopathology or like the... the setup of of habits that we have currently i'm then wondering is like is it is it good for us to me measure all these intangible things because then they become they feel like it feels to me like they become reduced that's what i'm trying to get at to some extent you're absolutely right and uh, i was thinking about your own situation are you going out there and measuring how many millimeters your kids have been growing during the last 24 hours <laughs> You make another judgment, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and that's why you might see that the, the metrics is there to help you in your judgment. Uh, and it has also been hijacked by herding uh, rather than cultivating. Right. You, you're building uh, the piles of uh, something that might not be worth anything tomorrow unless you have the uh, right context for it. And then you, you have to move uh, beyond the borders of the organization and the borders of uh, the old civilization as well. Yeah. And this we saw in uh, the um, situation in Washington uh, where Capitolium was, uh, so to say, uh, invaded. Um, they tried to take it because as a symbol of the old regulation. And this, now it becomes extremely interesting to see how will we navigate societies of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It might be that the wisdom of navigating a society is not in the laboratories of uh, um, Microsoft or Google. It might be in the jungle of building uh, relationships between people and building that culture of relationships. And you are just happy to be on an island so full of signs for that navigation, um, like um, the legal system, for example. The legal system that you had on Iceland is absolutely remarkable from a democratic viewpoint, but it's so little known. 
I'm not sure I know it. What what is remarkable about it? <laughs> you had special places where you were uh, going to court, so to say. Yeah. And Alting. And that was a way of deciding how to navigate as a collective intelligence forward. Yeah, and it was fractal and like the, the, yeah, exactly. Wow. May I just correct you on one little point? You said, mm-hmm. I'm coming back to, uh, you should say, I'm coming forward to. I'm coming forward to, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a feed forward comment. <laughs> so if I'm, if I'm hearing you uh, right, that the, a lot of the, things that that you have worked with with regards to metrics has been and is to shift the perception of how we put them to use like what they are actually accounting for i guess and then at least that's what i'm getting from this conversation is like i'm, I'm there's a lot of words that i've I'm, i've used and i haven't really thought about them and uh, they've just been words that I've used or that I learned in business school or like, you know, and then in, in business school, there's a certain type of understanding of capital and there's a certain type of understanding of intellectual and certain type of understanding of brand value and like all, all of these other things. And so they are, they're sort of methods for how you do something. It's like a manual you get and then like, this is how you do it. Yep. But, but yep. there is, we, we rarely get beneath the manual or at least I haven't been invited by my official sort of training to get beneath the manual. But that's all I do at the moment is try to understand who wrote the manual, why did they write the manual, what's the point of the manual, where does it come from? Like where do these ideas come from? What what are the what is the history of them and, and what would that mean? What did they dream of when they wrote these ideas? Like what are the aspirations that went into these concepts and frameworks? And so and then how can we put them to use? Speaking of the your definition of the entrepreneur as looking at the gaps or like what is the potential that's within this sphere? And do we need to weave something? Like, do we need another node so we can have more space to move within? Or or, or maybe not. Maybe we have enough. Um, oh, well, I think we have enough. But um, the, you have you summarized it very well. And that's the same journey as I have been on. The, I'm searching for what's around the corner or what's beneath. And, and what is it that we don't know that we don't know? And uh, that is also an old, uh, I think, uh, uh, wisdom from India. It's called URE window. Yeah. Um, that space of what you don't know that you, you, you don't know. But if you have um, the accounting system to uh, keep you focused on what you know that you did in the past instead of looking forward, it's very hard to navigate the flight from Iceland to Oslo by just looking backwards. Yeah. 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 But the the Vikings who were sailing, they had this kind of knowing uh, of how to ride the sailing boat across the Atlantic over to Wineland without having the metrics, and they made it. So they had some kind of knowledge uh, which is extremely interesting to find out about. Yeah. And that's why the, the science is so full of curious questions and possibilities. But as you, uh, with your kids and I with my kids and grandkids, I want them to uh, not start at the same point, but start on a higher level of understanding. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we need the language, which might be metrics, it might be something else. But the software system is just a language to help you to move up to a higher level of, of understanding. But how do we get to the wisdom? Right. It's the next language we need. And that's where the, you have the bridge to um, uh, spiritual capital. And and that's also like why I really like what you were saying about these labs that are running everywhere, because that's about actually testing and enacting and and seeing what happens when you put ideas to use. Yes, Um, yes. That seems to be critical to me. 
And if you take the opposite to the lab, that is the boardroom. Yeah, yeah. You don't experiment <laughs> in the boardroom. No, no. And that's what we said as well. So if you can't experiment there, we need to have a space for the experiment. Yeah. And that's why you find in Holland a big space called LEF, L-E-F, Future Center for navigating the water and transportation ministry of uh, Holland mm. onto the sustainable future. Mm. Mm. So they came to my place in, in Sweden and learned a lot and then they went back and built a remarkably interesting future center. But it's interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm getting a Nora Bateson thing up in my head again, but she's, she was critiquing somebody that said, you know, that usually we talk about these big ideas and then uh, the question comes is like, yeah, but what do we do? You know, and she's like, that's not the right question. The right question is, how can we find a way? Yes. And, and because we're moving like, regardless. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm hearing a lot of the work that you've been doing over the years in, in, is to invite people into start looking at how they can find a way for them. Yes. And for us. And, yeah. and you can apply that together with your kids. You can go out tonight and, and uh, look up uh, onto the stars and uh, find the uh, signs from Mars and tell them that. There is going to be people on that planet soon. We don't yeah. know exactly when, but soon. But we need the metrics to define soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the metrics are there to help us how we can find a way. Like that. Yes. Because that's a completely different way of. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm starting to get some part of it at least. That seems. And, uh, and that's nice. why navigation is a better term than accounting. Yeah. And you should go back to your friend, the economist, and ask him if he knows about an accounting rule called IAS 38, uh-huh. International Accounting Standard Rule 38. It's a thick, thick book. Nowadays, a software program on, on rules for international accounting. Yeah. And there is one uh, number 38, which I influenced heavily by my prototyping or experimenting, that says that you can actually work on the metrics of intangibles and put it into the present system in various ways. Mm. And if you don't apply it, you are hiding hidden capital in the enterprise or organization. Mm. And that is actually an act of uh, subversive criminality. Mm. And that's why if you take that step, you could detect a lot of value on Iceland and other places. But according to the old way of thinking, you keep it away from the others. Uh, But if you open up the insights, then people might join you in the exploration of the future of Iceland or other societies. And there you are into the opportunity cost of your kids. Yeah. Yeah, and interestingly, if you invite more people, probably you will increase the intangible value because you are, there's more, <laughs> more energy or more potential or more, what do we call it? The... Yeah. Potential. Cap- capital. <laughs> I mean, more capital. Like it, it becomes yes. in the intangible world, the, the capital is going to grow as a result of more people joining in. Uh, yes. Basically. Which you see in the stock exchange to some extent. Uh, but brilliant conclusion. Are you, so to say, confused on a higher level now? Yes. Yes. I'm confused on a, on a higher level. And the lower and on a middle level, and it's really good because there, <laughs> it's, it's all uh, levels, it's, it, all levels, and it's a it's a, but it's a process of rearranging, which is really wonderful. Uh, it's it's a zooming in that 
that I haven't done on this particular topic before that I really appreciate. Um, and that's why sustainability is um, dangerous in a way. It, it um, triggers the mind to look backwards, in, uh, but has a, a hidden purpose on future. So sustainability should be forward-looking. Yeah, and it seems like it would you, you you know what you said about the firm and the unfirm like yeah that that um, and also something around the context because the context is not unchanging so it you, you cannot um, sustainability is tricky like what yeah. are you maintaining yeah. what are you sustaining um, interesting so <laughs> that's why I think you are so well located. Uh, to continue this uh, search on wisdom, um, as we said, uh, I made you some references during our conversations, but go into the um, some of the museums in Reykjavik and uh, together with your kids, perhaps, and search for um, the unknown. Yeah. And that unknown was told in fairy tales, but there were no metrics. We didn't know even that, that there was different chapters of, of the story. Yeah. So you are extremely well located for further exploration of the wisdom. Yeah, I appreciate it. I will. Uh, I think um, I don't have. Well, I do have choice, but I don't. I don't. I'm very pulled to continue the exploration as well. So. It will, it will go on. <laughs> yes. And if you want to come back, you're most welcome. Um, if you have some specific uh, questions or, or curiosity, just send me an email and uh, I might give you some um, triggers. Um, the response is wrong word. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> help you to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And Leif, if, if people want to find you or, or dig into your work, where should they uh, look? Should they? Uh, LinkedIn um, has a lot. Uh, my email you already have, so that's leifedvinson at gmail.com. Um, and uh, I think uh, I have somewhere about uh, 27,000 citations right now. So those people have at least found me. Um, right. And the, the other day I was participating in a, a video conference with China. And we had 120,000 <laughs> viewers. Wow. All right. So you're, you're saying you're not part of the unknown unknowns anymore? Well, for I, I'm probably confused on a higher level as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Leif, for taking the time. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, and a happy future. A happy future. That's where you are going to live.